This is History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I have Grace Zell on the show. She is the administrative assistant and docent at Bethlehaba Museum and Archives. It's just next door to the Bethlehaba Synagogue, right on the fan on uh, Franklin Street. It's actually 1109 West Franklin. Um, it's a really cool museum. A lot of people don't actually realize it's there. Very informative, really interesting. Um, it's open from Sunday to Thursday. It is free. Uh, they do ask that you give a $5 donation. Um, and they wanted to make sure that, uh, that, that I said that if you have a large group, you probably want to call ahead. Uh, they didn't tell me what size of a group is a large group, but my suspicion is if you have questions of whether or not your group is large, it's probably large. So I'm going to talk to Grace Zell on the show about the history of Jews in Richmond. Um, but before we get to that, speaking of donations, I do want to make sure I thank Christopher. Uh, Christopher did not go to historyreplaystoday.org and click the support button and donate, which I highly suggest everyone listening do uh, right now. Um, donate five, whatever, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, whatever you whatever you can do. Um, help support the show. Help keep it free. I really appreciate it. Um, but uh, Christopher actually went to River City Segs and took a Segway tour with me. And after the tour, he wanted to make sure that he gave me a donation and let me know that he's enjoying the podcast. And I really appreciate that. I always love to talk to people that, that are actually listening. Um, River City Segs, by the way, is the premier Segway tour company in Richmond. It's the only Segway tour company in Virginia with an indoor Segway specific training area, historical tours, art tours, you know, just scenic riding tours, which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably would be interested in the history historical tours. Um, but this is the second anniversary, August of river city seg. So we're actually offering, uh, $20 one hour tours and $40 two hour tours all throughout, uh, August. So, Go to rivercitysegs.com to find out more information. You can check out uh, uh, River City Segs on Facebook. You can check it out on uh, Twitter at 804SEGS. You can just call 804-343-6105. And when you do, let them know that you heard about it on the podcast, History Replays Today. Um, But I did start talking to... uh, um, Grace Zell, you know, we, um, not really just about Richmond's early Jews, which a lot of people don't realize that it was the, the sixth synagogue in the country was actually established here in Richmond. Uh, I actually first started talking to her um, about when Jews actually came to the New World, you know, not just Richmond, but when did they arrive here in the Americas? Yes. Well, I think the Jewish population in Richmond has been active since pre-Revolutionary War period, but we weren't really organized until 1789. The first recorded Jew coming to the New World was part of Sir Walter Raleigh's Lost Colony expedition. His name was Jacob Gans. He was probably from Amsterdam. Mm he worked with metals. I don't, I'm not sure if he was a blacksmith, but maybe something similar. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because he was part of this lost colony, not sure right. what happened to him, <laughs> like sure. everyone else. Um, but Jews became, you know, started to trickle into North America 
around that time, 1700s, late 1600s, um, and mainly congregated in larger port cities. So that's why the first synagogues in the United States were in Newport, Rhode Island, New York, Philadelphia, Charleston, and Savannah. Mm -hmm. So what set Richmond apart is that while it was on the river, it wasn't uh, this major port city yet. Um, and it was the westernmost synagogue at that point. Okay. Like the other existing synagogues that used a Sephardic style of worship, meaning that a lot of the liturgy had a Spanish or Mediterranean Portuguese type of feel. Mm -hmm. In Richmond, again, what, what made Richmond different is that the founding members of this first synagogue were probably from Western Europe, Germany, rather than Spain or Portugal. Okay. But because this Sephardic ritual was the accepted way of practice, they thought, oh, it's good enough for Charleston and Savannah. It's good enough for Richmond. Sure. Um, but the first two Jews that we have a record of living in Richmond uh, were Jacob Cohen and Isaiah Isaacs. And in the city's first census in 1782, they were both listed as being 35 years old and from Germany. Okay. They opened a dry goods store called Cohen and Isaacs. They also owned the first tavern in Richmond called the Bird in Hand. And this was all in the Churchill neighborhood, okay. right in the shadow of St. John's Church. Right. Um, they sold real estate. They and hired... What time, time period is this? Um, 1770s, 1780s. Okay. Right. Uh, they hired Daniel Boone to survey some land for them along the Licking River. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if you ever thought, yeah. Jews and Daniel Boone, who knew? Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And actually, Isaiah Isaacs holds another first, besides being one of the first Jews in Richmond. He was the first Jew elected to Richmond's Common Hall, which is kind of the forerunner to the city council. Right. And would you, would it, um, you know, would the census have actually indicated that they were Jews? Or, or where would that, mm, I mean, is it no, I guess it's too, like, I, they're weird, you know, they, they're not like, a, you know. Yeah, I, I'm sure their names would have... Uh, indicated them as being different, you know, okay. they, weren't, they weren't kind of an Anglo-Saxon sounding name. Sure. Whether there was a category in the census for what religion you identified with, I'm not sure. Right. There may have been a, you know, what, what church you went to, and they didn't put that. Right. So uh, they were here before Beth Shalom, which was this sixth Jewish congregation established in the United States was was formed. Sure. And when, and when is that established? 1789. 1789. Okay. The original membership uh, was 29 families, the 29 Jewish families in Richmond. The first and only time that every Jew in Richmond went to the same synagogue. Right. <laughs> and so, and that's a, that's a pretty big jump mm -hmm. from two to 29 families. Yes. Uh, and so would this have been, I mean, are, are they, do you know, are they coming here for a reason or is it just well, because there's other Jews. Richmond may have been a, a good outpost to head west, um, okay. and a lot of these early Jews were peddlers. They were traders. They had dry goods stores. Mm -hmm. uh, they did a lot of traveling. So maybe they came through Richmond and decided, "Hey, this is actually a good place. I feel comfortable here. Mm -hmm. I can have a family here. Uh, there's there's a small Jewish community. Uh, Judaism is definitely a religion of community." Uh, you need 10 people to have a minion uh, to pray. So it's hard to be a Jew and be by yourself. Okay. And what does that mean, you need 10 to be a minion? 
just part of Jewish ritual law. Okay. And and so being that isolated doesn't it's not going to work out. Um, not not religiously. Okay. Uh, we're we're <laughs> a communal people. We, sure. we like to okay. talk. <laughs> And I'm sorry, like, yeah. I, you know, if I, you know, weird uh, religion questions me, I don't know. No, you know. that's, that's fine. I mean, I'm not a, an expert in religious right. law. That's I can just I speak like, for what I know as, okay. as a reformed Jew. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I grew up Lutheran, so mm-hmm. I, I know less. So you could say whatever you want. I, I won't know the difference. <laughs> um, hopefully I won't get too many angry postcards and letters and tweets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I don't um, know. The, uh. So yeah, so that that's interesting, and, the, and these these folks come together um, and form a synagogue. But that is that's not a building, right? That's well, the syn- the synagogue is a, is a name for the building. That you could call it a congregation. They formed this congregation, right? Okay, uh, called Beth Shalom, um, and they didn't have a formal building until 1822. Okay, they built their first synagogue on Mayo Street. Mm-hmm. which no longer exists. Right. Um, now there's a historic marker uh, on Franklin. I believe it's Franklin Street. Um, so they worshipped there until... And wait, oh, I'm sorry, where was Mayo? I totally thought that I knew. It's kind of in the shadow of Capitol Hill. Um, do you know where Bank Street is? Like, yeah. Okay, so like, all right. So 14th, that... old 14th Street. On the right side of 14th, it's Franklin and on the left side no on the right side it's bank and on the left side it's Franklin right again. oh yeah so there is that right on that corner I think right there's in. a parking deck there now okay yeah but there is a historic marker this okay. is the site Beth Shalom of the building and right. so before that there's I mean they're just meeting where in people's houses or meeting in people's houses meeting um at a storefront that was no longer in use uh wherever you could have a a gathering place sure. that could hold at least 29 people, 29 right. men. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the, like the ladies just weren't, weren't invited or they have their own spot or, uh, well in traditional Orthodox Judaism, the women sit separately from mm-hmm. the men and okay. the men are the ones who are usually praying out loud and the women could also be praying, but they're usually kind of in the background. Okay. Um, and is there, are, are there any pictures of this building or? Yes, we have, we have a picture of the building. Is it uh, just one picture. or just a, it looks, just, just a building? It looks pretty humble actually, just okay. kind of a square, excuse me, square brick building. Right. Uh, very unassuming. There's nothing flashy, no big Jewish symbols. Jews pray here. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I don't think that was because they were particularly, particularly worried about anti-Semitic events that just, they probably just didn't have a lot of money to make it this impressive structure. Sure, sure. Uh, that was later. Yeah, and I guess the, um, I mean, is it going to take, is it going to continually to grow that congregation? As I mean, because we're talking a pretty quick right. turnaround already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is it, is that, the, that's obviously not the peak, but I mean. Right. Um, more Jews equals more congregations. Um, and in the 1840s, there was a large influx of Germans to the Richmond area, mm-hmm. and some German Jews joined Beth Shalom, but others found it somewhat lacking. They wanted something that felt more German because Beth Shalom used this Sephardic style of worship, this mm-hmm. kind of Spanish-influenced worship, and these German Jews um, wanted something that felt more familiar to them, sure. something that felt more like home. 
and a vote was taken within the existing membership of Beth Shalom whether they would stick with this Sephardic ritual or make the change to something more German to accommodate these new members. And that Sephardic ritual ended up receiving more votes, and mm. those who disagreed decided to break away and form their own congregation, sure. which they did in 1841, and they called it Beth Ahaba. Okay. So Beth Ahaba and Beth Shalom function as two separate Orthodox congregations until around 1861, when Beth Ahaba started making changes to its service. I wouldn't okay. call it Reform Judaism in the way we know it today, but it was certainly different from traditional orthodoxy of the 1840s. Um, Beth Shalom remained orthodox until its dissolution in 1898, at which point Beth Ahaba absorbed those remaining members. Okay. So Beth Ahaba takes claim as being a guardian of the memory of Beth Shalom. Okay. Beth Ahaba is not the sixth oldest. Beth Shalom was, but since it no longer exists, we kind of absorb that title. Right, sure. Um, and so I guess the uh, I think one of the one of the neater stories is that is is like kind of backing up a little bit. I guess mm-hmm. back to Beth Shalom is the um, what's very bizarre uh, burial ground on Franklin Street now. Yes. Um, which I said now it's always been there. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that. Uh, just, says first in Virginia, yes. but it's, I guess from what I've read, it's the first, at least south of the Potomac River, of Jewish burial grounds, right? Right. So in addition to Beth Shalom being the first synagogue mm-hmm. in Virginia, they also established this first Jewish burial ground in the state of Virginia, 1791. Um, Isaiah Isaacs, one of the first Jews in Richmond, mm-hmm. deeded the land to a group of trustees so that all Jews, male and female, could be brought there to be interred, whether or not you lived in Richmond. If you were Jewish and you wanted to be buried in a Jewish cemetery, that that's where you went. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, he didn't account for how quickly the site would be filled. Yeah. And as soon as 1816, the, there was no more room. Sure. No, it's pretty small. Yes. <laughs> so uh, Benjamin Wolfe, who was another member of Beth Shalom, as well as a member of the Common Hall, obtained a new plot of land on Shaco Hill. Uh, after arrangements for the cemetery were completed, it's said that Mr. Wolf remarked that the synagogue president should be the first person interred in the new grounds. The president of Beth Shalom responded with a biblical passage to the effect that he who dug the pit should be the first to fall in it. <laughs> and Benjamin Wolf died less than a year later and was the first person buried in that new cemetery, wow. which we now know as Hebrew Cemetery, sure. right across the street from Shaco Hill Cemetery. Right, sure. Um, and so that the I understand most of the bodies are moved from the one yes. right over there. Yes. So when Hebrew Cemetery was established as the new burial ground, mm-hmm. some family members chose to have their loved ones moved and reinterred in Hebrew Cemetery, but some didn't. Right. Some families, you know, they may have died out, they may have moved away and weren't in touch with anything. Sure. So the Franklin Street burial ground kind of lay forgotten for quite some time. Um, when Franklin Street was paved, the cemetery ended up being four feet below the new street level. Right. Like it's graded, like it's like a roller coaster right. before that. Right. They basically level it out. Exactly. Right. And those remaining headstones were 
knocked over and the earth was filled in so there wouldn't be a four foot drop from the street to the ground. Sure. And uh, besides a, a raised grave in the back corner, mm-hmm. which contains four Cohens, were spotty on who's who's still there because a lot of Beth Shalom's records were burned in a fire. Oh, okay. Um, which is unfortunate. Right. Um, and after that land was filled in, that plot was used as a blacksmith shop, as a kind of a coal and trash heap. Um, and it wasn't until 1900 when Beth Shalom's longtime secretary, um, Jacob Ezekiel, who by then had moved to Cincinnati, wrote a letter back to Richmond and said, hey, this is a disgrace. You guys need to do something about this. Yeah. There are still people buried there. It's the first Jewish cemetery in Virginia. We, we need to fix this. So they cleared away all the trash and coal or whatever was there. Right. They built a wall around the plot, mm-hmm. put up that sign that says First Jewish Cemetery in Virginia, mm-hmm. and the land was reconsecrated in 1909 by Beth Ahaba's rabbi, uh, Rabbi Kalish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I guess now it's got apartment buildings around it now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's strange, but actually the land is probably better protected than ever yeah <laughs> from the elements and right no it's, it's just it's it's one of those things that's mm-hmm. uh it's just mysterious you know yes and, you know doing doing mm-hmm. tours of richmond mm-hmm. it's always if someone has actually ever even noticed it people that walk down the street a million times right you know if they if they have noticed it they're always like what in the yeah. world <laughs> why is, is this here yeah. why are these buildings here sure but, um and is there i guess the it, and we can move on if it's not, mm-hmm. if it's crazy, but was it caught when they parked like cranes and stuff on there? Is that like, it seems a little disrespectful, but it's, I, I mean, I don't know uh, how uh, the, uh, everyone cares. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, because okay. we don't have, you know, uh, accurate records of who's still buried there. It, I don't know how many people are buried there. Right. I know at least four are buried there okay. because there's that kind of tabletop style grave. Sure. Which is which is six feet tall, right? Is am, am I am I correct? Right. Well, it was it was a vault, and then I, I don't know how tall it was. It may have been moved up when that land was filled in. Somehow okay. they could. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. The, uh, I guess I what I read. I guess the the jury in Richmond mm-hmm. book, um, which when I read that, I honestly I didn't. I, it sounds like a slur. Uh, the word jewelry. jewelry. Yeah, I've never heard that yeah. word before, but <laughs> now I understand that it's totally like it sounds like. Yeah, it's legit. Doesn't yeah. sound legit, but it is. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess in there he was saying that if you lift the stone up, you can mm-hmm. see four feet, six feet down. But I don't know. I could be wrong. It was a long yeah. time ago. When uh, I, looked at that book, I don't so. know. You know, I if we had the money, I think it would be awesome to get one of those, you know, uh, ground penetrating radar. Sure machines to see what's left right you know right. even the headstones absolutely um but that you know if anybody wants to fund that yeah absolutely. give us a call <laughs> no doubt um <laughs> uh, i'll watch <laughs> i love to watch yeah. so. um but uh but yeah so i guess that you know that goes we kind of went backwards and mm-hmm. forwards a little bit there but the so we're looking at the 1830s and 40s mm-hmm. those uh, the, it's a lot of jews oh, um, coming from germany from germany right. but also uh poland okay. there were a good amount of polish 
Jewish immigrants, and mm-hmm. they established their own congregation called Knesseth Israel. And, and are they? I'm assuming that they're you know like most immigrants, like now you know in the West, and there's like very heavy Latino neighborhoods, and right? Stuff, you know. Especially if you speak a different language, you mm-hmm. want to hang out with right. people like you. Um, where are they? Where are these Jewish neighborhoods? So, excuse me. Most of the early Jews of Richmond lived in the East End, okay. Shaco Bottom. That's that's where you went when you were new to the city, mm-hmm. and you would work and you'd establish your business and you'd grow your family, and then when you could get out of there, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from the 1840s on. We've seen a clear westward migration of the Jews of Richmond. Um, I guess of of Richmond in general. uh, Yes, yes, and Richmond in general. Uh, Trying to to keep up with the times. Everybody's trying to get... Right. I mean, I remember when Short Pump was just, there was nothing out there. And now it's crazy. Absolutely. Um, I guess that's the same everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, uh, there was... By the 1860s, right before the Civil War, mm-hmm. there were three congregations in Richmond. Beth Shalom, the original. Beth Ahaba, the newer kind of 1840s uh, German-Jewish congregation. Mm-hmm. And then Knesset Israel, which was nicknamed the Polish congregation. You didn't have to be Polish to belong there, but a good majority of the Jews were right. Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of these Jews were living in the East End. And that's where most of the Jewish businesses were. A lot of Jews, like I mentioned earlier, owned dry goods stores. Um, Tallheimers, mm-hmm. they started out in the East End with the dry goods store um, and expanded and, and expanded. And is that pre Civil War? That's, yeah. Yes, is? 1840s. Oh, okay, wow. Okay, I thought that was mm-hmm. post war. Yep. Um, and the, I guess, you know, before even getting into the Civil War, is there. Um, like pre-war, are they involved in the slave trade much, or is there, you know, is that, you know, it's it, it, the you know when you're both in the corner, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like right. <laughs> now there were definitely Jewish slave owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can say that with a good deal of certainty, but there weren't many Jewish plantation owners. Right. Um, if Jews owned slaves, they were probably working in a home, in a in a shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there were a few slave traders within Richmond. I'm sure I could find that record somewhere in the archives, and that is mentioned downstairs in the exhibit, so I can okay. check on that for sure. Um, but the Jews here assimilated fairly easily to Richmond society, these German Jews, um, that first wave of immigration. And they didn't find a lot of anti-Semitism here. People were pretty welcoming. If you were willing to work hard and do your time, you could be successful and very happy here in Richmond. People didn't really care so much how you worshipped. Yeah. Um, And that's when the Civil War broke out. Sure. Once... Virginia had, you know, said, well, okay, well, we're going to secede. We're, we're going to be part of this confederacy. Sure. Um, the Jews of Richmond were, you know, they were going to keep their heads down. And if their Gentile neighbors were going to be Southern patriots, then they were too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, there were some people who didn't feel that way. And sure. they may have moved or just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But over 100 Jewish Richmonders 
were definitely went off to fight to defend this southern cause. Right. And and just to be clear, we're not talking about a like a Jewish battalion. No. They just no. get into they just, regular, uh, uh, you enlist and you're in there. Exactly. Right. Um, the blues, the grays, Richmond blues, the Richmond grays. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, and, and are they anxious? I mean, are they, is that like a hundred over four years or is that like a hundred, you're saying like 1861, mm. there's a hundred line of a hundred dudes standing there like ready to go. Well, I don't think a hundred right in a row, okay. but probably throughout the, okay. the, the war. Um, and then that gets into the, uh, I guess, pretty the battle of, uh, Fredericksburg, right? And that's where you get the, the, the civil war Jewish burial ground over at the Hebrew cemetery. Right. right. So after the conclusion of the war, a special section of Hebrew Cemetery was designated for the burial of Confederate Jewish soldiers. The section is surrounded by an ornamental fence, and the plots were maintained by the Hebrew Ladies Memorial Association. Every May, these ladies would hold a special service at the graves of the fallen soldiers, and while each soldier had an individual gravestone, by the, ta- by the time this organization folded, um, the stones fell into disrepair, and they were replaced by one large grave marker with everyone's name. And the soldiers who are buried there aren't necessarily from Richmond. Right. A lot of them were from other units, uh, Louisiana, Alabama, South Carolina, and they died in or around Richmond and were buried okay. in this plot. The soldiers who were from Richmond are buried in their family plots right. at Hebrew Cemetery. Okay, so I, th- I I was always told that it was after Fredericksburg that they didn't want to like bury Jews with Christians and right. suddenly sent them down here. Or? So we get this question a lot, and I don't have a concrete answer for it. I don't okay. have written proof that these soldiers were rejected from other cemeteries because they were Jewish. Excellent. I I don't know that. Right. If people want to believe that. Uh, I'm not going to stop them. Sure, sure. I'd, I'd like to think, and I guess I'm I'm a idealist, but I'd like to think that these soldiers had something on them that identified them as Jewish, and right. they said, "If I'm killed, please bury me in a Jewish cemetery." Sure. Again, yeah. I don't know if that's true. Right. But... <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. It's true. Fact. Yeah. Fact. Fact. Believe it. Anti-Semitism does not exist. In that's right. <laughs> um, but so the, uh, in, in, I mean, it is really amazing. I mean, because the, the fence is fantastic. Yes. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. fence. Um, and so, I mean, is that, that's there, are there reinterred there or or were they? did they die and were buried there, or were they buried somewhere else first? I think some were buried elsewhere okay. and then moved, but I think a majority of them were, were buried there soon after they died. So, And I, and I like the idea that they're mm-hmm. doing their own decoration day. Right? Yes. So that's basically May, and they're, they're going out. Right, until this, this Ladies' Memorial Association disbanded. Right. That was... Uh, that's how you marked the anniversary of the soldier's death. Um, marking the anniversary of a loved one's death is a p- practice in Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you honor, you know, your loved ones. Uh, and this fence, I think, was just another way to honor these soldiers' devotion to mm-hmm. the Confederacy, their devotion to their families, their devotion to a cause that they believed in. Yeah. Um, the fence was designed by William Barksdale Myers, who is a great, great 
great-grandson, I believe, of Meyer Myers, the colonial-era silversmith. Okay. Uh, and the fence represents the three branches of the Confederate military. There's crossed sabers, muskets, and furled flags with Confederate caps on them for the cavalry, the infantry, and the artillery. Yeah. And it really is, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, Hollywood did a lot of that stuff. Yes. Oakwood Cemetery. Um, but, I mean, as far as those cast iron fences, I mean, it's, it kind of wins. I mean, they had a much smaller area to mm-hmm. encompass. Right. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's a really amazing thing. And so it is, I understand, the only Civil War, Jewish Civil War burial ground. Is that I, I believe so. Okay. It's one of the only Jewish military cemeteries in the United States. Okay. Um, and one of the only Jewish military cemeteries outside of the state of Israel. Right. So. Um, and, yeah, because I know there's one in Because Ger- I, I guess it's it's said to be the only one. There's another one in Germany that mm-hmm. says the same thing. Right. Um, but I think it's like, I don't know. I think it's like basically, from what I understood, it was like Jews that they had killed during the Holocaust, they were also in the military that they happened to bury in a okay. specific place, and mm-hmm. then they called it a military burial, which doesn't really count, but maybe it does. Who knows? Anytime you say it's the <laughs> oldest or the first or Yeah, the there's only... going to be someone else yeah. who says, wait, 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 we're older. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the, you know, that anti-Semitism thing has, you know, you've been said that a lot, that mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not happening, right? It, so... It, I don't or, think or, that... Or it's not prominent, I guess. Is, not is, prominent, yes. Right. I think that's a, that's a good phrase. People will always hate people for right. whatever reason. Um, but. <laughs> Haters going to hate. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, but I think that what sets Virginia Jewry apart from any other state, any other region, is that Jews have always been a part of Virginia rather mm. than separate from the rest of Virginia. Right. Um, there's always been kind of this fairly, um, fairly easy transition from being a newcomer to being a Richmonder to being a Virginian. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're Jewish, but you're a Virginian, uh, you're Catholic, you're a Virginian, whatever. Sure. Um, and I think that that's, that's really special. And I've never felt, Excluded. I've never experienced uh, any, you know, instance of anti-Semitism. It's just me yeah. personally. And I, I, my father has lived in Virginia, in Richmond, almost his entire life. And you know, he got in a fist fight when he was in high school. But what, sure. what boy no, hasn't? Um, but even then, uh, yeah, pretty lucky, very yeah. lucky to live in a, in a welcoming community, an open community. And Bethahaba has always had a fantastic relationship with. It's Christian neighbors, St. James, just up the street. We built a parking deck with them when their uh, sanctuary was burned by the lightning strike in the mid nineties. They used our sanctuary for their services and we were happy to, to be able to help them, to be able to host them. And when our furnace blew out recently, uh, they were happy to host us. Return the favor. Yeah, that's fantastic. Works out. Good to have you, good you neighbors. Know you guys owe us, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know you <laughs> yeah. owe us. Right? Uh, but uh, but you know, and, and the Civil War as well. I mean, you know, even with just these hundred guys, I mean, I think the uh, you know, the, just the mere presence of Judah Benjamin mm-hmm. is. I mean, it's not much a much more Jewish name 
than Judith. Right. And, and he's one of the main executives of in the... Yes. I mean, his nickname was the Brains of the Confederacy. Right. And throughout his time as Attorney General, as Secretary of War, and then as Secretary of State for Jefferson Davis, he retained Davis's confidence, even when everyone else in the Confederate cabinet was blaming him for how poorly the war was going. Davis said, Davis knew, you know, this guy has got a good head on his shoulders and sure. I'm going to keep him around no matter what you all say. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about Judah P. Benjamin's time in Richmond is while, you know, everyone knows, yes, he was Jewish. He never did anything to identify, identify himself as a Jew. Okay. We have no record of him attending services at Bethahaba or elsewhere. Huh. Um, you know, some oral histories have, have mentioned, oh, well, yes, I remember him reading from the Torah. I remember him doing this, but sure. oh, I, I can't, we can't prove that. Right. Um, so, uh, yes, he was a Jew, but was he an outspoken Jew? Was he a supporter of Richmond Jewry? Not to my knowledge. Sure. Um, and, uh, wow, that's really interesting. And the, and it's a, a weird, you know, I mean, it's pretty busy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't yeah, know. There's a I lot guess, going on. <laughs> yeah, I guess Jeff Davis went to church every once in a while, but it's, it's kind of busy. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that this is, I, I've never really heard it from a credible source, um, but I have heard that he is somewhat blamed for some of the anti-Semitism after the war. That people blame it on him. That, mm -hmm. you know, if the damn Jew wasn't involved, we would have won the war or something, you know, something right. like that. Because um, um, it turns, the tide turns pretty good. For, I mean, right. right after the Civil War, right? Right. Well, for better or for worse, the Jews of Richmond, probably more so than any other Southern community, simply because Richmond was the capital of the confederacy were, were directly affected by benjamin's role right um so i'd say that there was an increase in anti-semitism post-civil war across the country not not only in the south yeah and that was certainly um that was more noticeable after this second wave of jewish migration in the 1880s and 1890s mm -hmm. these eastern european jews who were coming over who were fleeing pogroms who are fleeing their shtetls in Russia and elsewhere. Um, sure. You know, they, they looked like, they looked like immigrants. They were foreign. They came over in huge family groups. Right. Whereas earlier German Jews came over, young men came over first, established themselves, then sent for families or sent for brides or married people here. Um, but these Eastern Europeans, they were a whole new ball game. Right. They, they, I guess that 1840s, it's also a bunch of non-Jewish Germans coming right, as well. So right. you can kind of blend in a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they spoke, you know, totally different language. They spoke Yiddish. They spoke Russian. They spoke Polish. They spoke all sorts of languages that people here in Richmond had never even heard of. Yeah. Um, and p it, people, you know, people are always scared of what they don't understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, the, I guess, are there examples of anti-Semitism that are going to happen after that or yes. I mean, prominent ones? Um, there's one instance, um, of someone trying to make a reservation, a Jewish man trying to make a reservation at the homestead uh -huh. in Western Virginia. And he had a 
kind of Semitic sounding name. And the homestead wrote him back. The concierge or whoever books the reservation said, I'm sorry, we're, we're all full. Um, try again later. And then he asked his maid, who was African-American oh. and had a name like Smith or Jones to write and ask for a room. And they responded right away and said, yes, we'd be happy to accommodate you. We have plenty of rooms available. And he wrote the homestead again and said, this, this is what's happened to me. And I think this is unacceptable. I'm a good, you know, upstanding member of my community. I'm very well respected. Mm -hmm. And why, why won't you accommodate me? Why won't you have me at your hotel as a paying guest? Right, right. I don't understand. And they, they kind of shrugged it off and replied, but didn't really address, sure. address anything. Right. We have a copy of that here if you'd oh, like wow. to read it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty brutal. Um, damn you, homestead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there there were certainly instances of the KKK being active in Richmond, and certainly some Jewish residents were affected by that. Right. Um, and, and, I mean, is that Judah Benjamin thing, I mean, or is there, like, what's, what becomes the beef? I mean, I guess, you know, other than it's just different. Like, there's just different people here, that's it? It's just I, suddenly... I, I, I think so. I, I don't really... I can't think of, a, of an instance why Jews would be blamed for the outcome of the Civil War. Right. That's like blaming... Uh, I don't know. And... I guess it's, it's easier. If I spill something, it's easier to blame it on you, whether, you know, because right. I don't want me to... Right. I, I mean, this, I, is, I this has it, been a theme it. in world Jewry forever. Jews, Jew, uh, the Jew is a scapegoat. You have a problem, blame it on the Jew. Sure. It's much easier than blaming yourself. Right. right. <laughs> um, so are there actual uh, incidents of the KKK involved, or how's that? I mean, um, do you know of anything specific? I mean, I think we have uh, letters of, of people saying, oh, we, we saw the KKK burning a cross in so-and-so's yard wow. uh, the other night. Yeah. But uh, I can't think of anything more than that. Uh, there was a, an instance where a professor at UVA uh, was, was asked to leave because he was Jewish. Huh. His name was Sylvester. Um, we have that story downstairs in our exhibit, Commonwealth and Community. Yeah. Which, you know, the... Um, I actually just ran... I don't even know where it was I saw it. Um, but it was a picture of Martin Luther King taking a burning cross out from front of his house. Mm-hmm. So disappointed in the clan. It was mm -hmm. like two feet tall. Right. <laughs> like in the movies, it's like right. It's a huge feet, it thing. Like, you know, terrifying. Like, really, guys? Mm -hmm. Like that's not that scary. Right. Just, you know, just kick it over. Right. <laughs> exactly. It was like <laughs> two steps over, like poop in a bag, mm -hmm. letting on a fire. Right. You know, it's like guys, come on, <laughs> not that scary. You have this big reputation right. as being these scary people, and this is everything that you yeah, can throw exactly. at me. The, the sheets and everything. Come on, yeah. get step your game up. Yeah. Um, but so the, you know, that, that post-war period, I mean, it's a little bit after, um, mm -hmm. it, you know, I guess after Reconstruction is where the, you know, Tallheimers is really going to pick up, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that, you know, from a dry goods store to a, I guess the rise of department stores in right. the world. Right. Um, and is, obviously you said the first one is in, you know, in the East End, mm -hmm. um, but when is this, you know, when is, how does that work out? How, do, how does it 
So I, th- I think in the late 1850s, they moved from the East End to somewhere you know, further west on Broad Street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as the city was expanding west, yeah. Tallheimers moved west. Uh-huh. Um, that was just the way that these businesses moved. Sure. It, to, to get more customers, you needed to go where the people were. Absolutely. Um, the people who had money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's yeah and so i mean i guess they're getting bigger i mean um i mean it becomes you know between tallheimers and miller rose i mean they're by far the biggest stores in in richmond and Mm -hmm. one of the you know biggest department stores in in virginia Mm um i mean and that's i guess that's not the original tallheimers right so it's gonna be a family business that's passed down i mean by the time they're at on broad where that you know where it was what near a full block across Mm -hmm. Um, by the Carpenter Center, um, which, you know, more than, pretty sure they didn't go from the East End to that giant place, but... No, there um, are several steps in between. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I don't know, that's a huge move for, uh, I guess, within the community itself, right, to have your have a Jewish name on a building like that itself, like, right? I mean, is it, and are Jews going to Tallheimers as opposed to Miller Roads? Would that ever have been, you know... I guess it's a reverse... That's, that's a good question, but... Right, you know, you you know, do we let's support our own? Are we yeah. only going to go to Jewish-owned businesses if if you know if you're Jewish? Uh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I I'm sure that there was a friendly friendly rivalry between Tallheimers and Miller and Rhodes, and if sure. one store didn't have it, well, then you could sure. go to another place. I mean, I definitely know people in my family had accounts at both Miller and Rhodes and Tallheimers. Right, sure. They were going to go where where they needed to go to get what they needed. Sure, sure. Um, and it's there, uh, and that also gets into the, I guess, where you're going a little bit for, you know, 1900-ish, where you have, you know, a lot of the, the black community is beginning to get wild with Maggie Walker and John mm-hmm. Mitchell Jr. Um, and as outsiders are the, is the, because I mean, the Jewish community is definitely sympathetic, but I mean, are we getting help? Are there, or is it just more, you know, sympathy, or is that civil rights movement actually supported by the Jewish community? Uh, y- yes, I, be- I believe so. And again, I don't want to make a blanket statement. I, sure. I don't speak for for all Jews, oh, especially on. all Richmond Jews. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, certainly divided. Different rabbis talk about different things in their sermons. We were actually working on a project going through Rabbi Goldberg, who was the rabbi during you know the height of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, what were his opinions on, on on civil rights? And he seemed to, you know, whatever opinions he had uh, in his own head, he didn't share them until other rabbis across Virginia started being more open and saying, yes, we need to support the civil rights movement. Uh, it's the right thing to do. And then he included more, more and more things in his sermons. But I... sure, well, it's pretty dicey. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, especially if it's not you, right? Right. So it's a, it's a. It's... Again, it's this, it's this issue that Jews faced during the Civil War. What you know? Okay, well, I don't agree with slavery, but do I, do I say something or do I keep my head down? Right. You know, I've mm-hmm. got a, got a good thing going on here in Richmond. I've got a successful shop. Uh, my neighbors like me. Sure. If I speak out, what you know? What is that? for me is is do, do you know of any kind of uh like world war ii um and what are, are refugees brought here i know that the holocaust museum is here i mean is that 
But those you, those families come yes. somehow, right? How's that? How does that work? Okay, so um, post World War II, we had a group of new Americans uh, come to Richmond, settle mm. in Richmond, and they formed a club called the New Americans Jewish Club in 1947, and they um, kind of formed this this own their own little group to try to assimilate into American society and Mm -hmm. American culture. And they had help certainly from the synagogues they joined and their neighbors and other American Jews, but they also wanted to reflect and remember what happened to their family members that lost people in the Holocaust. They established one of the first American Holocaust memorials, Mm -hmm. uh, Shalom cemetery. Sorry. Um, they did that in uh, 1955 Mm -hmm. and this club had you know regular meetings they had picnics they had dances Um, we have all of their records here Um, Inga Horowitz is a great resource she's she was one of these members of the New Americans Jewish Club Mm and is very involved at the Holocaust Museum and of course at Emmett Shalom Cemetery Mm-hmm. And are they having dances and stuff at synagogues, or were there are there are they like just everywhere? Um, I know that they had some events at the Beth Ahava Social Hall uh, because we have pictures. Where is that? Uh, it's what, just what uh, it's uh, downstairs. Just, uh, okay, so just part of the yeah part of spot. part of the synagogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. That, that and that so the Holocaust Museum being established there um, is it not a is there are there not Holocaust survivors involved with that? In yes, that? no, there were. Holocaust survivors were were key okay, in, yeah. in getting that museum to exist. Uh, originally, that museum was part of Bethel, mm-hmm. a conservative synagogue here in Richmond. Um, at that point, it was probably the largest synagogue in Richmond, the most okay. popular. This conservative movement seemed to be the best fit for mm-hmm. post-World War II Jewry. It okay. was... Kind of a middle of the road approach to Judaism still had elements of traditional worship, but also embraced American culture, having English included in the service as well as Hebrew. Okay. Um, and a lot of these refugees from Europe who were, you know, if they wanted to become involved in religion again, this seemed like the best way to do it. That post-war mentality is, you know, fifties and. 60s is, um, I mean, you're there's not a, not a whole lot to speak of, right? Without that, I know of. Is well, there the, notable the com- things? The community was certainly growing okay. throughout that time period, and there was a creation of a second Orthodox congregation independent of the previous mergers of. What, what are they? Immigrants, people from the United States. Uh, more, it was it was people who were living in Richmond uh, who wanted a congregation that could measure up to the strict standard of Jewish ritual law. Okay. Um, so, in 1963, the Jewish Academy of Richmond uh, was formed, and that possessed the only mahitza in the city, which is a divider. Men sit on one side, women sit on the other, and this is very traditional. Um, okay. A very traditional way to um, practice Judaism. The, sure, sure. Very orthodox. Um, that's does not that the, still happen? That's not the case anymore. Yes, I'm sh- they've still I mean, have in, that. In Richmond is. Yeah, st- yes, that still exists. It's now called Congregation Kol Emes. Okay. And um, 
three more congregations have joined the Jewish community uh, in the past 30 years. Uh, another reform congregation on the south side of the river, or me. Then Chabad of Virginia in 1975, and Oratid, which is a, another conservative congregation in 1986. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Jew in Richmond, you have plenty of options sure. in terms of where you want to worship. There's also, I think, been a, a rise in community cooperation and unity. Events like the Israeli Showcase in 1976, the Jewish Food Festival. What is that? Uh, the Israeli Showcase w uh, happened at the JCC, and it was a way to show Richmonders or other Virginians, uh, this, you know, let's learn about Israel. This is all that okay. Israel has to offer. Let's show our support for Israel. Um, oh. They created um, part of the Wailing Wall on, on outside the JCC. Oh, wow. Um, had Israeli dancing, Israeli food, Israeli crafts, mm -hmm. um, history of the area, uh, just a way to get the community together, sure. um, not be so uh, splintered, you know, right. well, I'm an Orthodox Jew, so I'm only going to hang out with Orthodox Jews. I'm a Reformed Jew, I'm only going to hang out with Reformed Jews. Okay. You know, this is a way to, to unite the community. So, so is this is marketed more to Jews and not as an educational thing to non-Jews? Uh, well, I, I think both. Okay. Right. Um, and I think that, that Richmond Jewry has always been an example of larger American Jewry in the fact that the original settlers in the colonial and early American times worshipped in the Sephardic manner. We saw that at mm -hmm. Beth Shalom, uh, despite the fact that most of them were probably from Central Europe. Uh, then came the Germans, who wanted their own German and Ashkenazic ways. And these uh, two groups built the basic Jewish institutions. They built the foundation for Richmond Jewry. Sure. Then the arrival of the Yiddish-speaking Eastern European immigrants in the 18. 80s and 1890s helped build and grow synagogues, schools, and community organizations and helped make Richmond the Jewish community that it is today. And now these two groups, the Germans and the Eastern Europeans, have merged to create a new Richmond Jew, one who has a desire to maintain individualistic religious and cultural traditions mm -hmm. while also sharing in civic responsibilities and social relationships. Sure. Um, and, and so what about the... Uh what about where we are right now in this building? This is what, early 1900s? Is this was built? Do you know? This building dates or... to the 1920s, 1930s. Okay. It was a private home okay. uh, owned by the Nelson family, or members of Bethahaba. Okay. And then um, when they sold it to the congregation, it kind of became a, a catch-all. You know, yeah. it served as some storage. We actually had a chapel here. Um and then in the late 70s, a group of people at Bethahaba said, you know what, we have a lot of interesting records. Sure. We have a lot of interesting stuff, and we need to find a way to preserve and, and save these things. Yeah. So they formed the Bethahaba Museum and Archives Trust. Uh -huh. And this building uh, opened in the late 80s, 86, I believe. Okay. And we've been operating as a museum and archive uh, ever since. But it's not just Beth Ahaba, right? It's, it's We are Museum of Richmond's Jewish History. Okay, right. While we are located right next door to Congregation Beth Ahaba, we serve the entire Jewish community. Okay. A lot of our early records are about Beth Ahaba families, but 
that's because we have easier access sure. <laughs> to that information. And um, and I mean, because the the synagogue itself is pretty amazing. Yes. I mean the, that building, and that's that's nineteen six. Nineteen oh four. Nineteen oh four. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what like early pictures look like, but it's in the middle of the block. Yeah. Which is yeah. If you see old postcards looking west, mm-hmm. you have the synagogue, and then the Stewart monument but it is you know kind of greenery everywhere not yeah. not I mean, a lot going on it's pretty impressive i mean it definitely means you're here early if you yes. can build in the middle of the street yes um that and that's uh, that means a lot um and any idea who designed i mean that's... yes noland and baskerville okay they're a local richmond architecture firm sure so busy so busy in here it's, it's, yeah um um yes local richmond architecture firm they based their design off of Jefferson's Monticello okay. and also Jefferson's Rotunda at UVA. Huh. So it's an octagonal dome structure. Now Jefferson, of course, based his designs off of the Pantheon in Rome. So it's a neoclassical style structure. Sure. Um, it, it is impressive. There's no other word for it. You have to stop and look at that building if you walk by it. Absolutely. It's and beautiful. I think that's exactly what the members of Beth Ahaba wanted to happen. They wanted to communicate, we are here, and we're here to stay. Right. We are a Richmond institution. And it's interesting, 1904, they're doing Jefferson-inspired mm-hmm. stuff, because that's also, um, I guess I guess it was Baskerville and Sons at the yes. time, before it was Bas- mm-hmm. Nolan and Baskerville, mm-hmm. but they were also adding, 1904 to 1906, adding the wings on the Capitol. Yes. Um, so, and you know, mm-hmm. there's probably a lot, there's a lot of Jefferson in that house. Yeah. There's well, a lot going you know, on. that, that whole neoclassical architecture, sure. that, that's used a lot in government buildings and, uh, you know, important structures. Right. And, um, the, you know, the, there's, I know that cause I did the tour there once, it was a long time ago. Um, but there was some, I mean, I, I didn't realize that you have multiple tours as well, you know, being yes. in, you know. We have six Torahs uh, in the main Christian sanctuary. Seems weird, you know. Six no. Bibles were mm-hmm. like, why, why, you know, get yeah. rid of five of them? What's the no. problem? Um, but they all mean something, right? I mean, they're all well, like they're, they're all from different places. Okay. Um, we don't use all of them at once. We right. <laughs> only use one at a time. Sure. Um, they're all because a Torah is is a scroll. Mm-hmm. They're kind of queued up to to different uh, sections okay. in the Torah, and we use them at different points in the year. So we're not constantly handling one Torah because it is quite a fragile artifact. Right. Um, but I mean, it's, some of them are like from, I know one of them was like hidden during the Holocaust. Yes. One of them like was, was hidden. Um, it's, it's from Prague. Okay. Uh, and we have that dressed in a special Torah cover. It's from our Holocaust Memorial. Okay. Torah. So I mean, you're probably not using that one. Or, or uh, we I have. Uh, I don't think we've used it recently. Okay. Not that I can remember. So special occasions and stuff is not. Uh, yeah. Probably. That's yeah. that's a rabbi question. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, uh, again, they're not here, so fact. <laughs> Whatever you said, fact. <laughs> um, so, uh, um, but it's also. I mean, it, it it definitely shows. Like you said, I mean, it shows that the, the community. I mean, it's an impressive thing. Stained glass mm-hmm. windows. That are, I mean, beautiful. Um, there's got an upstairs balcony. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a it's a pretty incredible mm-hmm. like structure. Um, and the the church, what, what's the other church that's just down the block? St. Hall? James. St. James, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's going to be post Bethlehem. But only only just. Right. Um, okay. All right. 
because um, I feel like I remember seeing a photograph of, or at least a drawing or whatever mm-hmm. it was, with Bethel Haba here and not having St. James right. there. Right. Um, I believe we were here first, but... Okay, I may have made that we're up. Contemporaries. Well, so, we're contemporaries. We're yeah. contemporaries. Um, and, I mean, that's... Are, are there Jewish people living in the fan? I mean, is this is this becoming a Jewish-type neighborhood? Um, I, mean, I think that this area was a Jewish neighborhood when Beth, when this synagogue building was built, and for some time after that. But Monument Avenue has always been kind of the address of choice for Richmond's sure. elite. Right. Um, you have, you know, when you drive down there, you, you can tell that right. there aren't many... Yeah, I mean, More that's, that's, that's yeah. the other alternative. That's what I was yeah. trying to get at. It, is this a specifically Jewish area, or is it just because this is where everyone wants to be at the time? And which it seems like, that seems like mm, a little, little of both. Okay, I, fair enough then. I don't think everyone who belonged to Bethahaba was living within walking distance of Bethahaba. Uh-huh. Um, but those that were, were part of that first wave of immigration. They were German... German Jewish families. Okay. Do you know, um, and I'm, this is like most partly just because I'm right by there, like River City Segs is 18th and Grace. Mm-hmm. So I guess 19th Street. What, I think it's condos now? Okay, what yes. What is that place? Um, good question. That was a synagogue called Knesset Israel. Okay. The the Polish congregation. Oh, that's that one. Okay. They built that synagogue in, or it was completed in 1908. Okay. And... This was to serve all of the recent Eastern European immigrants who were living in the East End. Got it. Remember, when you're a new immigrant to Richmond, you move to the East End. You right. live in Shaco Bottom. Then you move west. Sure. Um, and also along that 19th Street was Neighborhood House, which was a settlement house established by the National Council for Jewish Women in 1912. Okay. Is that it still was, there? Yes, it is still there. It's not in use. Okay. Um, this was a non-residential settlement house to serve recent immigrants. There were English classes, cooking classes, sports teams. There was a youth orchestra. This was um, kind of like a boys and girls club. This is where you went after school to hang out. This is where you went if you needed to learn English. If you are a recent immigrant from Russia and you come to Richmond and it's July or August Mm -hmm. and people are eating watermelon and you've never seen a watermelon before, you would go to the settlement house and say, hey, I have no idea what this fruit is. (laughs) I don't know how to eat it. Please help me. Sure, sure. And someone would show you how to cook, how to cook American foods. Right. Um, And that was in use until 1945 when it was kind of determined by the NCJW that it was no longer needed. Right. Um, and the JCC, the Jewish Community Center, kind of took Neighborhood House's place after that. Okay. It was a place where Jews could go to hang out with other Jews, to play sports with other Jews, to... It's kind of communal area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess TV does that mm-hmm. right now. Like, right? I mean, you can watch TV and see what happened. Like... Huh. Yeah, um, no, I, and I think that if you ask... A, a lot of, you know, recent arrivals to the United States. Well, how 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 do you learn English? Oh, you watch TV. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Pick it up very easily. Sure. And of course, children will always pick up a language faster than their parents, sure. and will act as interpreter mm-hmm. until their parents feel comfortable speaking for themselves. Sure. 
Thank you very much, Grace Zell. That was it. Thank you very much, Beth Ahaba Museum and Archives. They were very accommodating. I thought that was a fantastic conversation. I learned a great deal. I hope you learned a lot as well. You know, I think it's a pretty interesting uh, a topic in itself. Um, and it's a lot of stuff we didn't cover. I think we could have done a whole lot more. Um, but uh, you know, let me know what you think about this episode or any other episode uh, on Facebook, History Replays Today, on Tumblr, same way, on Twitter, at History Replays. Also, you can email me, Jeff Major, J-E-F-F-M-A-J-E-R, at historyreplaystoday.org. Let me know what you think of the episodes. Suggest a guest. You know, I'm, I am actually looking to find someone, um, some more you know, non-historians, folks that can just tell some pretty amazing stories of their life of, of, of Richmond and the greater Richmond area. So uh, let me know about that. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a, a grandparent, something like that. Somebody that's been around for quite a while and can tell a good story. Um, and if you enjoyed this, if you're still listening to it, you probably did enjoy it. So head over to uh, historyreplacetoday.org, click on that support button, do donate again, whether it's $5, $25, $100, you know, if you got it, a million dollars, right? Just help keep the podcast free. Um, and uh, thanks for listening and make it a great day.